Well, good morning. Uh, we're going to jump right in. This is the final uh, message from the Sermon on the Mount. And here's how Jesus concludes in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus introduces us to two builders this morning. There's a hearer builder and a doer builder. Someone who hears the words and does not do them, and then someone that hears the words and does them, puts them into practice. And so I have two sets of building materials here. This is the hearer builder. Notice this has got no backing to it, no substance. These are the words of Jesus. This is a person that takes this teaching in from Jesus as he's taught about things like forgiveness and mercy and reconciliation. And they say, okay, that's a good idea. I'm going to build with that. And so they take a building block, a brick, these bricks of Jesus, and they grab onto them. Maybe there's a, a striving relationship, a challenged, a broken relationship, and this person grabs the, the building brick of reconciliation. And they, they love the idea of reconciliation. In fact, they re read a book about reconciliation. They, they even maybe post a blog about reconciliation. But in the end, they realize reconciliation is really hard. And there's a lot of barriers to it. And so I don't know that I'm actually going to pursue reconciliation. I just like the idea. And so they build their bricks. And there's other things that Jesus teaches that are hard too. Have you been wronged? Have you experienced injustice? Then should you get even or should you show mercy? And Jesus teaches this brick, this concept of mercy. And the person who doesn't obey the teachings, do the teachings of Jesus, grabs onto those bricks and they build their house with these facade bricks, one brick after another, believing that if they build their house with the, the imagery of Jesus, with what looks like purity and teaching from Jesus, brick after brick, but not actually do it because in all honesty, sometimes people don't deserve mercy or maybe take a brick like giving and think, well, I, I'll give, but it's going to be on my terms. I'm going to give not necessarily the way that Jesus is calling us to with freedom. I'm going to give when I feel like it's deserved. And so you end up with this wall that looks strong. It looks stable. This looks like a foundation, but the problem is there's a storm coming. And as Jesus describes, the rain falls and the wind blows and the floods come. And sometimes those storms might be small. Maybe those storms are just a, 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 the death of a dream, a loss of a job. Maybe those are big storms, like experiencing the severed relationship of a child and a parent. Maybe it's the tragic loss of a loved one. When those storms come, if the house is built on a foundation that looks like virtue but has no backing to it, then the, ultimately what's going to happen is that house tumbles, just as Jesus says, because there's nothing to hold it up. So Jesus says, He who hears these words of mine 
and does them. He will be like a house that's built on a rock. And when the storm comes, it's not just that you like the idea of Jesus, it's that you've put the concepts and the teachings of Jesus into practice to weather and endure the storm. Ken Barker says, those who enjoy Jesus in small doses are like foolish builders. Only the storms will reveal the quality of their craftsmanship. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, hear these words of mine. Hear these bricks of mine and build with them. Do them. Build your foundation on the, the establishment of the teaching of Jesus, firmly founded and grounded on his word. And so we're going to look at these words of Jesus. In the past several months, we've been walking through what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And Jesus introduces this profound way of living. It's a kingdom way of living, eternal-minded, looking at the world through the lens of our Creator, looking at the world through the lens of a humble servant that came, not to be served, but to serve. And he flips the entire manuscript upside down. And he says, this is the way we're going to see the world and the way we're going to operate in the world now. And he teaches things like servant leadership. He teaches things like uh, being last instead of first. He teaches things like humility and meekness and gentleness. He teaches about persecution. And so we see these teachings of Jesus and he gets all the way through this sermon and then he comes to the very end and he says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And so I want to look at 10 of the teachings of Jesus. This will be the longest sermon you've ever heard. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 10 points. We're going to walk right through. And these are 10 points of summary throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And with every point, we're going to have a building block, a brick, that we're establishing uh, what Jesus is teaching on. And that first brick, as we walk through, this is going to be righteousness. And Jesus teaches about righteousness. And he says... In, Psalm, uh, in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Jesus talks about pursuing righteousness. In fact, he says at the very beginning of this sermon, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now, the hard thing, the hard teaching about righteousness is we often sort of get hung up on uh, this idea of legalism, that we've got to be perfect. That's not, in fact, what Jesus is teaching at all. He's talking about this progressive sanctification that we continually choose to do the right thing. Acknowledge that there is no one righteous, no, not one apart from Christ, but through Christ and through the work of his Holy Spirit, we can build on the foundation of righteousness and trust that God's going to continue sanctifying us toward his holiness. Hear these words of mine and do them. And the second thing Jesus teaches about purity. Blessed are the pure in heart. So much of the message of Jesus is about heart. After he calls us to examine our motive and our heart, he says, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard the law, the rules, and you've watched people try to follow the rules, but I'm more interested in the heart. What is it that... God is seeing when no one's looking. That's where the indication of the heart lies closest. Anger, lust, commitments and follow-through, prayer, giving, fasting, 
Who are you in the quiet spaces when no one else is looking? What's the heart motive behind what you're doing? Purity becomes a word, a rock, a brick on which Jesus is calling us to build his life. And then he teaches about reconciliation. One of the most difficult things to do interpersonally, to pursue reconciliation when a relationship's been damaged or broken. And the hard thing about reconciliation is it doesn't always depend only on you. There's a challenge when we approach another individual because they've got to put their skin in the game. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 12 that if possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace among men. That means it's not always possible. And Jesus teaches that blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Jesus teaches that if somebody sues you for your tunic, give him your cloak as well. Assume the best in people. Move toward them. Make gestures of reconciliation. Honor these words of mine by doing them. And then Jesus picks up the brick, the rock, the building brick of faithfulness. He says, build your life on faithfulness. Even a fool who keeps silent, it says in Proverbs, is considered wise. Don't say something that you don't mean. Follow through on the things that you do say. Choose your words. Remember, it only takes a spark, James says, to start a forest fire. Faithfulness is consistency. It's establishing a reputation not on empty words, but on words that are built on follow through, on faithfulness. Integrity. Never allowing for others to guess what you're saying or what you're intending not leaving room for confusion or hypocrisy, but using words you can stand firmly on, that you can repeat, that can be remembered and never questioned. It's the brick of faithfulness. Hear these bricks, these words of mine, and do them. And then Jesus teaches us about mercy. This is a tough one. Remember when he said, if you get slapped in the face, turn the cheek, and let them slap you on the other cheek. I remember that uh, story that Jake shared with us when we did this passage a few weeks ago, a couple months ago maybe. There's a story of this, uh, this traveling circuit rider evangelist, Peter Cartwright. He was a strong and rugged man. He had baptized thousands of people and one time, as the story goes, to test the authenticity of his faith, one man came up to Cartwright after he preached and he struck him on the right cheek. And then on the left, Cartwright did not retaliate. And then the man struck him a third time and Cartwright punched him in the face and said, my Lord said nothing about a third slap. <laughs> it's a silly story of retaliation. And yet what Jesus is teaching is that we show mercy again and again and again, 70 times seven, continue to display mercy. Don't get caught up in the justice of it. Justice for others, sure. Justice for all, that's a great aspirational goal. But justice for me, not necessary. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't be so concerned with the justice for yourself. God will define and defend your justice. Chasing your own version will lead to a shallow life of flimsy bricks that will topple in the midst of a storm. Hear these words and do them. And then Jesus introduces this concept of authenticity. 
the building brick of being genuine, not establishing a reputation of saying one thing and doing the other, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that Jesus was so concerned about. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men, is what he says. In Matthew chapter 22, chapter 23, actually, we're going to get to it in a few weeks. He calls out this mentality of the Pharisees by calling them whitewashed tombs, which are outwardly, he says, beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is not entertained by showboaters, by people who demonstrate righteousness before others, but on the inside, when no one else is looking, they're full of filth. It's the old adage that going to church, looking like a Christian, doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Happy Meal. Just because you look like you're doing the right things or you're showing up at the right place at the right time doesn't actually mean that there's true, authentic, and genuine faith. And so he says, build your faith on these words of mine. Build your foundation on authenticity and then generosity. One of the most prominent teachings in the whole Sermon on the Mount is this idea of being generous, of not allowing your left hand to know what your right is doing, giving freely, not measuring with a scale or being too particular about how and who and when you're giving to. If you analyze and calculate and deliberate over it, you might actually never give. A stingy foundation is a, firm found, is a flimsy foundation. It will not weather storms. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so we build our foundation on the eternal kingdom. The things that do not uh, get destroyed by moth and rust, but we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven and not treasures on earth. It's possibly the most backward of the teachings of the bricks that we're building our life on. It's countercultural, particularly because in our world, if you think about weathering a storm, you think about storing up, preparing, planning, gathering. You don't think about giving away. You don't release your resources, your emergency fund. You have to keep it and maintain it. I mean, just think about the last couple of years. Look at COVID. How many of you during the midst of COVID purchased extra toilet paper or rice and beans or ammo or who started pickling in pickle, pickle jars? You start storing because you think the world is falling apart. There's a storm coming. I've got to be able to weather the storm. And so you collect up things and Jesus says, that's flimsy. That foundation will not stand. If you base your life on storing material things, thinking that somehow it will sustain you, your foundation will falter and your house will tumble in the midst of the wind and the waves and the rain. But build your foundation on generosity. Hear these words of mine and do them. And then he talks about peace, heavenly peace. It's a hard concept when we, when we talk about doing. If peace is a brick and we're supposed to do the words of Jesus, not just hear them, peace becomes really foundational and yet really elusive. It feels like it slips through our fingers. Because you can't just decide someday you're going to wake up and do peace. Today, I'm going to be more peaceful. No, peace has to do with your pursuit. 
In fact, I love what Jesus does at the end of his teaching on anxiety where he's talking about worry. And he's talking about, uh, you know, not worrying about tomorrow, the resources, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll do. What he, what he concludes with is what you seek. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of this will be added to you. He says, peace comes. Jesus is teaching that peace comes based on our pursuit, what we're seeking. Seek first his kingdom. Peace becomes less something we do and more something that we have as a result of what we're seeking. And so he says, build your life on this foundation of peace. Hear these words of mine and do them. And then we see humility. Humility starts with self-awareness. The teaching in the Sermon on the Mount that's clearest here is the speck and the log. Pay close attention to the log in your own eye before looking around trying to pull specks out of others' eyes. Let's be self-aware. Let's acknowledge we have our own weakness. We have our own issues that we need to work on, that we need to admit and own. Pay attention to your faults before looking to the faults of others. Give others the benefit of the doubt. I think more than the teaching of Jesus, it's the life of Jesus that we look to when we ask the question of humility. How do we build a foundation on a humble life? And so when we take the brick of humility and we start to build our foundation with humility, it looks like servanthood. It looks like the creator of the world, the one who breathed life into every human being kneeling down on on his knees and picking up a towel and a basin and washing the dirty, stinky feet of his disciples, his followers. It's like what Paul says when when he says in Philippians 2 to consider others better than yourselves. Not only looking to your own interests, but looking to the interests of others. Count yourselves, count others more significant than yourselves. Build your life on humility. Don't just hear it. Don't just pick up a facade brick and say, this is a great virtue. This is a great concept, a great idea. I want to talk about humility. I want to write about humility. I want to read about humility. No, he says, do humility. Do these words of mine and become a firm foundation house built on a solid rock that can weather any storm. And finally, Jesus introduces this concept of zeal. And it's the final brick in the teaching, in the Sermon on the Mount. That there's a, a bit of tenacity in the words of Jesus. When he gets to the portion on prayer and he says, ask, seek, and knock, there's a, a drive, a motivation that he's calling us to, that we wouldn't stay um, idle, that we wouldn't stay inactive or just wait for something to happen in the Christian life, but that he would say, no, build your life on the foundation that you have a heavenly father who's asking you or giving you permission to ask. And so move on that. Take action on that. Don't just sit idle. And he says at the end of that teaching that our heavenly father in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? And we see a follow-up on this in 1 John chapter 5 where he says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That God hears us when we ask according to his will, when we put our lives in sync with these words, these bricks, 
and we establish our heart on the teachings of Jesus. And then we begin to pray in the same vein as Jesus. We follow his example of prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We come before a holy God and we ask things in his name according to his will that our Father who sees and hears, who's from heaven, ask and when we ask, he answers that we could follow the, the will of God based on the prayer. And so we have this zeal that Jesus has called us to, this action, this activity Hear these words of mine and do them. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 25, it says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But that house did not fall. The foundation was solid, was firm, was grounded in these words of mine, these bricks of mine, the teachings of Jesus stood firm because the people put them into practice and they established the principles that Jesus was teaching and they built on a foundation that was solid, that wasn't shaky because they followed with obedience and allowed for God to work in and through them and no matter what storm came, no matter how big the storm, whether it was a tragic loss, whether it was a financial burden or whether the whole world seemed to be falling apart and crashing in on them. Those winds and those rains and those floods came, but that foundation remained strong because it was built on the truth of God's word. And that's what God is inviting us to and calling us to hear these words of mine and do them. But here's the ultimate question. This is what it really comes down to. Who has the authority to say what bricks we use to establish our foundation? Does Jesus get to say? Does he get to tell me that it should be peace and it should be generosity and it should be faithfulness and it should be zeal? Does he get to give us a sermon that's three chapters long and just simply tell us, follow these words of mine, obey these words of mine and do them and your foundation won't crack? Well, how do we know? And I go, to the final verse of this chapter as Matthew gives us such clarity. He closes chapter seven by saying, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as scribes. Which is a jab to all others who had taught those who had studied the Torah, studied the Old Testament manuscripts, the law of God, that had taught with authority on the law of God. It, it arose the authority even of the prophets that had taught before, the prophets that have come and said, this is what God says. This is the message of God. This is the truth of God. This is the law of God. Jesus subverts all of that when he uses the first person pronouns saying, you heard it said, but I say, Jesus comes not as one speaking on behalf of God, but comes as one speaking as God, the way, the truth, and the life. The one who has complete and ultimate authority to decide which bricks you build your life on. And he speaks these words with such clarity for us, saying, you've heard these words of mine, now do them. And if you do them, you'll be like a man who built his house on a rock. And in the midst of a storm, that foundation will not waver because of the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And it all comes down to that. Does Jesus have authority or does he not? 
Is Jesus who he says he is or is he not? Does he do what he says he will do or does he not? I want you to be clear about one thing. The only hope in the midst of a a stormy world where there's death and there's grief and there's discouragement and there's strife and there's frustration and there's pain, the only hook we can hang our hat on at the end of the day is the fact that this Jesus who taught all these principles raised from the dead and conquered death. The resurrection is the only distinguishing line between darkness and light. Without it, darkness wins. Death wins. We might as well have a flimsy foundation because what difference does it make? But if Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God, if he was, in fact, there present at creation, like it says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that Jesus Christ was there present from the beginning, speaking all of this into existence. And if that's true, if Jesus's words, these words of mine are actually life-giving words from the creator and the sustainer of all life, then we can hang our hat on at the end of the day, knowing that that man not only died as a sacrifice for our sins once and for all, but then he rose again, conquering death once and for all, drawing a line in the sand for all eternity that we never look back at the darkness and the death before. We look forward to the light that he offers as we stand on this firm foundation that's now grounded in his word and in his teaching delivered by his authority. See, the authority of Jesus matters. Then the words of Jesus matter. And so my invitation as we wrap up this little mini-series on the Sermon on the Mount is to build your life, to bank your life, to establish your life on the authority of Jesus Christ. Let me read this again. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Not as those who just had memorized the word. Not as those who, like whitewashed tombs, had put a facade. Some bricks that looked like the right thing. Some bricks that seemed polished on the outside and looked like a pretty solid wall when you look straight on, but bricks ultimately then in the midst of the storm would would tumble quickly. And so my invitation is to build your life on these principles, these words of mine, Jesus says, these bricks of mine will establish you like a wise man building his house on a rock. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that you've given us your word, that you've claimed ultimate authority and you've proven that you have authority based on the resurrection. So Lord, I ask that you would give us the strength, the tenacity, and the zeal to follow through on these words of yours. To grab on to mercy, to grab on to generosity, to grab on to faithfulness, humility, these words of yours and to build on it, to obey, to do it and to begin demonstrating it in every and all aspects of our lives so that when the storm comes, Lord, we can weather it. 
thank you, Lord, for giving us the hope to weather the storm. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you heard it mentioned that this is kind of our kickoff Sunday, our Back to Church Sunday. And as a result, we've got a lot of groups starting. Uh, my encouragement to you is uh, not to stay um, excluded or uh, secluded from the community that God has called you to or invited you into, that we can learn and grow together this fall uh, in circles, not in rows, that we can get together with other believers. We can process what we're learning, teaching, struggling through, growing through. There's a group for just about everybody, all different times and all different locations. Um, and we just really encourage you to lean in and join a group this fall. If you need more information, uh, you can go to our website. You can contact Lori at abcchurch.org. Um, but we would love for you to get in a group. And as always, we'd love to have you back on campus. Um, we'll be there every Sunday, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and 1045, and hope to see you soon. Have a great Sunday.